0: On today's show, we've got to be aware that as we go out into the world, as we evangelize our neighbors, whether it's in Silicon Valley or whether it's anywhere else uh, in the globe, uh, that, that we are dealing not just with gross, ugly, false religion that oppresses, we're, we're also dealing with cleaned up demonic lies that look beautiful, like the lie of the apple and the serpent in Eden that it, it looks like it'll make you wise. It looks like it'll help you to transcend. And yet the, what it brings about is death. Uh, but it's so appealing and it's so enticing. And it, and it appeals to what we see as the goodness of human nature. But that's where the dividing line comes down to is, is human nature good or not? And of course, we know that human nature is not only frail, but affected by sin. So the other direction that I see happening at the same time is that even while evil goes from bad to worse in that way, that these things can be used for the advance of the gospel. Stay tuned. Hey, listeners, we have a special word from one of our partners on the show. Now, you know and I know that ministry right now, especially in the West, in this post-Christian context that we're in, whatever that means, it's harder. It's getting more and more tiresome. But that's why Midwestern Seminary wants to express the deepest thanks To all of the full-time pastors, associate pastors, lead pastors, elders, lay leaders in the church, anyone who's in a position of ministry leadership in the church, we want to say with Midwestern Seminary that we appreciate you. Midwestern believes that what Jesus believes to be precious, that which he purchased with his own blood, should be important to us as well. And that's why they exist for the church. We love the work that they're doing. And as a thank you to those that are in ministry, they want to let you know that there's all sorts of free resources available to read online, to download, to listen to, podcasts, videos, articles, all sorts of things, and giveaways happening all the time at mbts.edu slash pastors. Again, that's mbts.edu slash pastors. If you're in ministry why don't you check out what's over there, see what they have for you, and know that this October and throughout the year that we here at the Missions Podcast and our partners with Midwestern Seminary, we appreciate you and we pray that you're strengthened in the work that you're doing for the Lord. And now onto the show. Greetings and welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice. To help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE, joined by Scott Dunford, Pastor of Western Hills Church in San Mateo, California. And you are you. And we're so glad that you've joined us. If this show is a blessing to you either now or in the past, if you've been a regular listener, or if this is your very first time, first of all, we're glad to have you. And go ahead and remember to drop us a positive rating and a five-star review in your podcast platform of choice that'll help other people discover this content and be blessed by it and mobilized by it out into the harvest. You know, Scott, I was looking at some of the uh, statistics and was delighted to find that um, double digits of people have applied to serve as missionaries who discovered ABWE, which is the missions agency that we're a part of here, uh, through the missions podcast. We're so encouraged. And for those of you who were here uh, just a few short weeks ago for new missionary orientation, we're glad that you're a part of this global family and uh, what a joy that it is to serve together not just to talk but to put shoe leather on our faith and that's what we want to do today and to diving into some important matters of contemporary concern and biblical worldview, right? Today, Scott, we want to talk about things that everyone's thinking about, but through a missional lens.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm of the generation as a Gen Xer that I can remember when we first got email. And uh, I, I can actually remember getting the internet for the first time and uh, not even knowing how to use it because we didn't have a browser yet. <laughs> and uh, and uh, that I mean, it just seems like impossible to imagine, but it was a big deal even in college when we all had could go to the computer lab and use, you know, the email that was there. And yet we're seeing just technology changing at a blistering pace. You know, Alex, one of these ways that I've seen you know, technology changes, obviously, AI. I mean, the government just passed uh, some, you know, Biden came up with some new guidelines for what they want to do with AI and the UN is talking about AI. But I mean, I remember you using AI when it first went public. Um, what are some of the ways that you've used AI that are the ways that you enjoy AI or maybe you don't enjoy AI? I've dabbled with it. Yeah. And, you know, even
0: just this week, there's new announcements with ChatGPT, which is probably what most people are going to be aware of at this point, really made a big splash last November uh, when it first came into public release. Uh, I've used it to proofread things. I've used it to help shape some social media content. Uh, I've used it to design logos. I remember I had it design a logo for my wife's business, and it was perfect. The first attempt, uh, it it came out exactly what I was looking for, Um, and uh, still actually thinking about using that and replacing (laughs) the current logo. Um, there, there's a lot of different things. Um, there's also some, uh, some negative sides. I, I had I had a coworker send me an email, uh, that was clearly AI generated. And I wrote back, I'm like, brother, you didn't even swap out the, uh, like the insert name of recipient here. thing. And he wrote back, no, I did that on purpose as a joke. And I was relieved. I was so relieved that he did it on purpose as a joke. It was just an email to me, but, uh, I think we can all think of times maybe we've seen in the news or heard about someone who's had maybe an unfortunate mishap, and uh, actually one of those mishaps was shared in the most recent issue of Evangelical Missions Quarterly, EMQ, uh, which is an important journal. And uh, we know some of the people that are involved in that, but some pretty interesting interpretations of scripture are coming uh, across people's screens, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, they started out one of the stories, I'm um, just talking about AI hallucinations and how AI gets things wrong. And, um, and, and someone had typed in, Show me verses with chapter, verse, uh, with book, chapter, and verse uh, with quotes from the Bible about truth. And this is the quote that came up. Uh, We know that we shall behold a mocker of defamers. And as the defamers, we are of the mockers from John 5, 5. Um, then the article went on to say, if you're it's not familiar with this verse, it's because it doesn't exist. And so basically, <laughs> uh, you know, the AI just took a verse, uh, a, a prompt about, Hey, show me verses on this and made things up. So, I mean, you can imagine the kind of problems that this could cause where someone who's unfamiliar with the Bible is asking, I mean, I go to Google and type in, you know, I know I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm like, what's the reference for that? And it pops up the ver- the chapter and verse. But you start typing in, teach me things about truth, and the bi- and it comes up with things like we shall behold a mockery of defamers. And uh, we were kind of joking. It sounds like some other religious texts, um, but yes, certainly that is not that is not from the Bible. And then we were also talking about an, another, uh, you, you've you heard of this one, Alex, uh, the, the, the pastor of a Methodist church in Texas who decided to let AI uh, develop a whole service for him. <laughs> um, and what do you think the outcome of that would be? About the same as any other Methodist
0: church service. Um, and if you're Methodist listening, to this podcast, um, I love you anyway, and I'm allowed to say that because I used to attend a Methodist church. There are some, there are some
1: good evangelical Methodist churches out there. I, there are, I know at least there one are. or two. I couldn't resist though. No, it, it's, it turned out exactly the way that you
0: would think it would turn out, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, people are like, wow, you know, it was, you know, it said the right things. It kind of created a nice little liturgy, but there was something missing. And uh, we, we sit here as, as lovers of God's word and are just absolutely shocked, right? <laughs> shocked that, that there'd be something missing about a service, <laughs> including the sermon and prayers and everything uh, that was designed by AR, that something would be missing. But it just does highlight some of the ways that AI is being used and people are trying to use it for spiritual things. Does that surprise you, Alex?
0: No, it doesn't surprise me at all. One thing that I think we need to distinguish between different types of artificial intelligence, AI tools um, out of the gate, people use this category of AI like it's new. And of course, Mm. that's not quite true. There's
1: Uh
0: things that are newer to the general public, like generative AI, generating text and images. Uh, I I picked up a a book that was put out by Popular Mechanics um, in the 90s. I, I happened to find it at a relative's house and I pulled it out. Um, it was dated, uh, I forget what year exactly, but sometime in the 90s. And I opened it up and, and there's a whole opening feature on AI, right? There's, and then it wasn't new either. This is an idea that's been percolating for a long time. Uh, I, these are functional distinctions that I find helpful. An expert in this field is going to make other distinctions, but a, a mm. few of the people that I listen to and trust would distinguish between artificial intelligence narrowly applied and artificial intelligence uh, more generally applied. The term that you'll hear um, in in the field is AGI, artificial general intelligence. Um, But really it comes down to this choice between am I going to use artificial intelligence tools for particular applications, for particular types of tasks, or am I going to use it and trust it to, to run my life? or to run and govern a society or a program or a business or a ministry, right? These very mm. general, um, where there's layers and layers of analysis on top of meta-analysis, trying to make decisions and take the human component out of things. Now, I am someone just dispens... Uh, disp- easy for me to say. Dispositionally. Dispositionally. Almost said dispensationally. I got eschatology yeah. on the brain today. I'm, I'm dispositionally someone who's in favor of using these types of tools to, to simplify life. I, I enjoy that. But look, I mean, we, we got to think, if you're watching on video right now, which by the way, you can get the podcast on YouTube, uh, you can watch it on ABWE's website, um, as well as listening in your podcast app of choice. But in my hand, I'm holding something, my smartphone with more computing power than the machines that put man on the moon for the first mm. time, right? As Christians, imagine imagine living in Solomon's day and having hmm. a thousand servants at your disposal who will play mm-hmm. music at your beck and call, who will read scripture to you or any other book in the world to you at your beck and call, who will order any product from anywhere in the world and make sure that it shows up on your doorstep within a few days. Right. Uh, yeah. We are wealthy, even if we're not full of full of monetary wealth, we we are wealthy, and that we have all of these servants at our disposal. And that's something that we have to use for the kingdom, right? And so I think first and foremost, there is a way to say legitimately as Christians, let's plunder the Egyptians. Let's Mm -hmm. use these things for the kingdom. That's how I'm wired. Some people are more Luddites dispositionally, and they want to avoid new technology. I'm much more wired to say, how can we use this redemptively?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think people being suspicious of new things because we don't quite understand how it's going to affect us is true. I mean, I see that even with, you know, my kids, you know, social media comes out and oh wow, it's a great way to connect with people and and pretty soon you've got people addicted to Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and and right. you know, people going into depression because You know, everyone else's life looks so much better. And like, well, I never thought that would happen. Of course not. You just, you want to see your, you know, your grandkids pictures. And next thing you know, you can't pull away from it. And, you know, you walk into any room. It's not just young people anymore. It's old people and and young people together all staring down their phones. And we're all going to have neck troubles because of it. You know, we don't always know. The outcome of these things I, I do people subscribe to missio nexus if you're a missionary of abwe i think you still get a free subscription um to to even right. evangelical missionary um, evangelical missions quarterly emq which is a journal put out by missio nexus it's really good even if you don't agree with every single thing that's written in there and you won't of course but there's so many good things that talk about some of the things that are happening on the cutting edge of missions. But this was really interesting because, you know, we've heard of SIL, uh, a ma- major uh, partner in in translating the Bible around the world. They've partnered with Christian Vision, another ministry called Christian Vision, to create closed domain chat box. So, so Alex, can you explain what is a closed domain chat box?
0: Yeah, first, people have to understand that whether it's Google's Bard, whether it's Bing, whether it's ChatGPT, they're all using this same GPT model, which mm. at this point is an open public model. So uh, this week, ChatGPT, which is kind of the the big dog in the room, uh, Sam Altman, their CEO, that they, they announced that that now they're releasing a, a premium service where you can set up your own individual individualized chatbots for various applications on that on that ChatGPT framework. If you're a software developer, if you're a coder, you could already do that. And you could already do that back when the first GPT model was released publicly about a year ago, if not more by this point. And and really all this is is taking a language model, uh, a large language model, and it's it's feeding that to the machine such that the, the machine is interpreting whatever input you give it. Uh, in terms of language. This is why some of the mistakes were the way that they were early on. When I was experimenting with this, I would give it simple math problems and it would flub them. But it's because it's not calculating them like a calculator on your computer typically would. It's looking at the language you're using and it's it's interpreting it as human language. And it's saying, let's find a likely response that sounds (laughs) mathy. (laughs) <laughs> based on based on the internet, mm-hmm. based on all of those things, and so what you get is a very professional sounding mathy answer that happens to be factually incorrect, right? Similar to the Bible verse application there, and of course, one thing that ChatGPT did, OpenAI did within the last year, was instituted methods of getting real user feedback and allowing human users to train the model um, through submitting feedback and reports, and what that what that does is that improves the model. And it eliminates some of these errors, but fundamentally it's giving it access to a data set and mm. it's letting the machine learning look at that data and then uh, and then apply plain language uh, prompts to it and return plain language responses. And so the question becomes, what data are you going to feed it and what mm. rules are you going to give it for its responses and for how it, right. how it sifts through data? Um, so when we're talking in this EMQ article about open domain versus closed domain, by the way, I'm sure somebody way smarter than me can write to us alexadmissionspodcast dot go ahead and tell me everything that I got wrong, but this is my layman's attempt to explain these things. Uh, but when we're talking open domain versus closed domain, something like a chat GPT has access to the entire internet, which, by uh-huh. the way, when you're cl- when you're crowdsourcing, you know, questions like what is ultimate meaning in life, you know, good luck. um. Uh-huh. And that's apart from any of the worldview assumptions of the programmers. Those are assumptions that are getting baked in. There are no neutral programs. There are no neutral algorithms. But when we're talking about more of a closed domain model, something like SIL is using, um, SIL International and some other missions organizations are experimenting with, you're, you're limiting the data set. You are feeding it certain things. You're feeding it scripture. You're fe- feeding it theological content. You're also programming um, certain worldview assumptions. Uh, into that model to get types of responses. And that's what this article uh, explains in detail. And, and you can really control uh, the veracity of those responses, right? More by limiting the data set. Uh, it's interesting to see, you know, what machine learning does with special revelation, right? When that's
1: the data that you give it to work with. That's fascinating. So, you know, someone, like I said, you know, from Gen X, you know, the fact that an open GPT goes to the World Wide Web. I think we should use that term more often um, and grabs anything, it helps explain, it helps explain, you know, why you get such wild answers, but you can create a system that has like you just described certain rules that allow you to, to, to give, you know, hopefully better answers. And so what, what they're working on right now, which I think is fascinating and it'd be interesting to see how this works is the fact that they can, they can. People can just go up, you know, type in their questions about God and theology and the Bible and give answers that hopefully are going to be within a certain set and uh, and accurate and not dra- grabbing from the whole World Wide Web. I'm going to keep using that, um, but but from a certain certain set. And they're saying that one of the benefits of this is that they can do it in different languages. They can put this into places where, you know, missionaries may not be able to go. And so when people are asking their questions about the internet or about, I'm sorry, about God or theology or the Bible or Jesus, um, that they're, loading it with, with good information, good things. Um, I don't know if you've noticed Alex, um, and this is, this is a little, a li- maybe a little bit off topic. You know, if you type in a question about the Bible most of the time, what the number one resource that comes up, you, do you know, do you take a guess at what it might be? Um, I'm. I'm gonna guess it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's frustrating to me, you know, that we're we've not done a better job of cornering the internet with good truth about God's word. But yeah, I mean, the Mormons are spending lots and lots of energy and time and money um, on SEO, search engine optimization, and all these other things. And you know, I think there is some value in Christians. Thinking well about technology. Do you see any downsides of 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 using a chat box AI to help talk about the gospel?
0: I I do want to talk about the downsides. I also want to make sure users are uh, users. (laughs) Here I am getting confused. Listeners, you guys are listeners. You're more than just users to us. Uh, I want to make sure that our listeners are thinking through what the positive applications are too. Mm. So let's let's just finish fleshing up the positives and move to the, the negatives. You know, yeah, positively. What we're talking about is we already know the number of people in the world who are discovering the gospel through the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, Scott and I, we're we're proclamational guys. We are Spirit and Word. We are uh, normal, ordinary means of grace type guys. We believe in long term church planting. That's exactly where we line up. Uh, but we can't deny that God, that the Word of God, cannot be chained. Mm. And because of that, the Lord is using the Internet in incredible ways. I I know of a missionary serving in North Africa who this year they had their first convert after years of ministering there because of someone who found Christian content, a Muslim who found Christian content on the web. And now they're thinking about starting a YouTube channel and growing it, right? We see Mm -hmm. this in uh, all across the world, but especially in the Islamic world in massive numbers. Well, imagine not only giving these types of seekers access to Scripture, and to biblical articles and having to translate them, imagine if you could automate all of the translation. Uh-huh. Imagine if you could translate more easily into uh, a number of dialects and subdialects of Arabic or whatever language group you're working with for maximum distribution. Imagine you could do the same and apply that to video content as well huh. and captioning. Uh-huh. And imagine, imagine you could then load that into a chatbot and and give someone who maybe the Spirit is at work in their life to draw them, uh, give them the opportunity who in places where they don't yet have contact with a missionary, where they don't yet have contact with, an unbelie- uh, with a believer, uh-huh. to be able to query the text uh, in plain natural language. They don't even know what types of things to ask yet. They don't know the right questions to ask yet. They might ask questions that are more informed by their Islamic sensibilities than Christian concerns, but for the chatbot to know and to be able to give them answers from scripture. Does it replace a missionary? No. Does it replace a church? Absolutely not. But could that be an incredible tool in evangelism? Actually, yes. Yeah. And that's that's the type of thing we have to consider. I think the downsides of that, well, they, they start to become obvious over time, right? Right. When you, you look at an over-reliance on those things can certainly be another factor. The critical thing with, with the downsides is that, and, and you can elaborate on this too, Scott, but nothing is neutral. That's why I'm uh-huh. encouraged to see that missionaries and mission agencies are developing their own tools because no tool, no software, no algorithm is neutral. They all include the worldview assumptions. Scott, you're in Silicon Valley, okay? All of the people writing these algorithms are, your, are, are in your backyard, are your yeah. neighbors. Are they approaching those from a position of neutrality and just openness to truth, or, or are they not programming a lot of their own assumptions into these things and type of whether yeah, it's diversity I, equity inclusion whether it's you know religious pluralism or anything.
1: Well sure, it's just just a general ignorance about the things of god. You know, I mean 35% of the population in the bay area call themselves none, like no no spiritual affiliation at all. And then on top of that, so many of the of the programmers are Hindus by by background and um they just <laughs> this is a little off topic but, but it goes along with your question, you know, I, I think there's 250,000 uh, Hindus now in the Bay Area, they they would be the largest. They'd be the fourth largest city in Northern California if they were their own community, and that's just that's just actually in the East Bay of um, the Northern California. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's growing. And so Mm. these are the people that, you know, nothing, nothing inherently like, I'm not saying these are bad people intentionally, they're intentionally doing these things. They just don't come to things with a biblical worldview and understanding of God's word. And they're the ones that kind of building and programming these things. And so we do have to be really careful about, you know, what is going into this and how it's being, how it's being developed. Because as much as there's ignorance, there is also intentionally, um, you know, this is the article some of the articles were talking about this. There is an intentional uh, putting in of certain kind of ideologies in certain into the rules of the chat boxes um yeah. that are definitely leading people down a, a, in a way that is contrary to to biblical thinking. And so yeah. yeah, of course, we have to be really careful.
0: And that's why it's a good idea for, for so if you're a technologist listening to this, Christians need to get ahead. Christians need to be developing their own gpt models for various applications uh-huh. having to do with missions and some of the things that we shared or just general general resources and tools so OpenAI is not worldview neutral their ceo uh-huh. is openly atheistic openly homosexual in their press release this is cited in the miss uh, in the missio nexus article OpenAI admits in their own words their belief that quote there's currently no source of truth that uh-huh. is the worldview that these things are coming from. Now, little little anecdote. So one of the features in Chat GPT is you can pre-program certain instructions. You can tell it, hey, whenever, you know, I have you do this type of task for me, do it in this way, um, right with this type of a style um, and so forth. Well, I, I have mine set up to respond from a uh, from a biblical worldview. And I give a few specifics of what that would mean. Hmm. You know, it's not perfect, but it it does avoid some of the biases. But you know, try as I might and I've tried multiple uh, image generating models. I like to experiment with AI art. I have tried so hard to get it to create some sort of an image of Jesus on the throne in heaven, and then every nation underneath his feet, and you know, Islam, uh, you know, pride flags, like every, everything, just the chaos of the world happening down here, and Christ in uh-huh. throne above it all. And won't you know, it will not. I cannot get the thing to do what I want because that you can you cannot overcome what it's been programmed to do as far as what it thinks constitutes sensitivity. Right? It'll it'll start taking Islamic images and it'll put them up in heaven with Jesus. It will uh, do the same with with other secular imagery. It will surround the throne with a pride rainbow, but it it won't put them under Jesus' feet. It knows what that means and. For for Christians who, as we are, we're people of the book, we know that we're too digitally saturated. We know that there's a dark side to these things as well. And we can get into the dark side of these things. There are, there are lots of things that are lurking in the shadows of some of these models that are actually concerning. But mm-hmm. imagine if Martin Luther had had the same approach to the printing press. Yeah. Would we have had a reformation? Arguably not sure. Yeah, and we we've we've got
1: to see these as great commission tools. Yeah, there were some things that were probably lost in the hand copying, you know, of things. There certainly was some beauty and some art that was lost in that process. But there was also so much that was gained. And I I think that you make up a good point that yes, Christians need to use these tools, but not become so dependent on those tools that we let it do our thinking for us. That we continue to become to be people of the book, and that we we continue to 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 come back to the truth of God's word and, and use these as supplemental things, but not become so dependent on them. And I, when, with every new technology, other technologies are lost. And that's just a a difficult kind of thing to kind of wrap our mind around. You know, like I, I love being able to use my Logos program and click over a word and find the Greek origins and look at multiple commentaries. And, but, but in that I get lazy in my, in my, Greek. I'm not as good at Greek as I used to be because I'm using the tools, you know, I don't need to be as good at Greek anymore. So, but, but I, you know, like going back to I mean, one of the ways I think this could be so exciting for missions is this Bible translation idea. You know, the fact of, you know, you, We've, we've had for a long time being able to use Google and typing in something and have it translated into Spanish, but it's shocking how good it is now. I mean, I had a whole conversation with someone at an airport who was asking me, they were, they didn't speak English and they were struggling with what to do in the airport. And we were texting back and forth using, you know, using the little translator app and it was fantastic how well it could communicate. Well now imagine taking that and translating whole sections of the Bible. And then obviously having a, a translator go back and check the work, but think of the time that that would save. I mean, Robert Morrison back in China or William Carey would probably have, you know, what would they have given to be able to save years and years and years off of their work uh, to be able to have that done? You know, that's an, that's an incredible tool. Where do you, where do you see this headed, Alex? I mean, you've, you've thought about this a lot. You're using it in ways you're, you, you are, well, you're not a programmer. You very, you're very techie, obviously. Where, Where do you see this heading?
0: You know, Jesus's parable of the wheat and tares and the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light are are both growing at the same time in different ways with different levels of influence and at different rates and 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 side by side with each other. Mm. I think anytime we look at a new technology we have to see it through that biblical lens. There has been a demonic agenda at least as far back as the tower of babel of what we would today look at and call transhumanism. Mm. This idea that you can transcend the limits of your mortality, of your biology, and we see that all around us today. Uh, Efforts of global elites all the way down to the teenager that lives next door to you. We think that we can transcend our limits. We think that we can transcend sexuality and the roles that have been assigned to us, and we're constantly looking for ways to, you name it, live forever, merge with machines, right? The, these things are not just innocent pastimes. These are not just the dreams of certain types of technologists and scientists and inventors. Uh, underneath all of this is oftentimes a rank unbelief. It's the effort to build the tower that climbs up to the heavens. If you want a really mm-hmm. good book uh, on that topic, um, I, would recommend, I would recommend two, actually. I would recommend C.S. Lewis's classic, the third and final book of his space mm-hmm. trilogy which is that hideous strength. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and then there's a book of the same name dealing with the same concepts by a Melvin Tinker, um, that hideous strength. And it deals with that same transhumanist spirit of Babel. Uh, we've got to be aware that as we go out into the world, as we evangelize our neighbors, whether it's in Silicon Valley or whether it's anywhere else uh, in the globe that we find ourselves, uh, that, that we are dealing not just with gross, ugly, false religion that oppresses, we're, we're also dealing with cleaned up demonic lies that look beautiful, like the lie of the apple and the serpent in Eden, that it, it looks like it'll make you wise. It looks like it'll help you to transcend. And yet the, what it brings about is death. Uh, but it's mm. so appealing and it's so enticing and, it, and it, it appeals to what we see as the goodness of human nature. But that's where the dividing line comes down to is, is human nature good or not? And of course, we know that human nature is not only frail, but affected by sin. So the other direction that I see happening at the same time is that even while evil goes from bad to worse in that way, that these things can be used for the advance of the gospel. I think they can make Christians more productive. We're busy people. And yet what, what, what time savers could we use to have more time for family? to have more time for our congregants in our churches, to have more time for prayer. If we can put technology in service of those things, then praise God, that's a gift from God. If we can use mm-hmm. it to advance the gospel through translation, again, what what would have happened in the history of the West if Luther had had this uh, sort of anti-technology attitude that some have today towards the invention of the printing press? The printing press is exactly what what facilitated the spread of Protestantism. And so we've got to think today about how that can also serve to advance the gospel. I see both things happening and I see evil getting worse in some ways while Christians continue to treat this as, as an area where we can glorify God, where we can take dominion over creation uh, and where we can ultimately put these things in service of kingdom
1: priorities. You brought this up, but you know the fact is you know, you, we, we have a technological struggle at Babel where people are using technology to think that they can reach the heavens and basically replace God. We don't need God anymore. We're technologically advanced enough now to throw him off. Uh, it's the same battle that people are having today. But like, I love the way you kind of summed that up, is that it doesn't mean that technology is bad. The same technology can be used to to help us um, worship the Lord and can be done in his glory. We should be using our our minds and our technology and our thinking to help glorify the Lord and spread the good news of Jesus. And I I, I maybe, maybe I'm often thinking this, but like you, you see creation beginning in a garden, but it ends in a, the the new creation is a garden city. You know, there there is an element of. Uh, to yeah. use lack of a better term, like development technology, there you know, like yeah. we we see that God is doing something unique in an, in in organizing things in a different way in the new in the new heaven and new earth and in than in Eden, um, and so it's not that these things are, are necessarily bad, but how they're used um, takes so much wisdom. So I you know I wonder you know as as here I'm getting older I'm 47 um, I'm younger in some circles but I'm definitely older than you and I feel. Older and older and older with each passing year and the next generation is a middle age and becoming older than that. I'm a grandfather. How do I how do I help shepherd the young ones that are coming in to, to not just be so negative? Hey, shut that off. Quit using it. But how how would you advise me, Alex? Um, as a pastor, as a churchman, as a missions influencer, to, 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 to encourage the younger generation to think about how they use technology? What would you say and maybe these final kind of thoughts?
0: Well, first of all, as, as you describe yourself getting older, um, I, I feel like the words of Bilbo Baggins apply here. I don't know half of you as well, half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you as well as you deserve. That's for some reason what's coming to mind for me. Um, because he was celebrating his 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 aged birthday, right? You right, know? his his 111st <laughs> birthday, exactly. 11th. So, you know, you're you're getting there in in human years. That's about 47. Um, yes, m- my thought is this, Scott, and and I, I want to hear how you're dealing with this with your children as well, yeah. and your your young yeah. adult children. Um, but, but number one is touch grass. <laughs> mm. Uh, Christians have a unique edge up here that we don't have the option of getting sucked into a multiverse because we serve the god who is writing Mm. the plot line of every single ant crawling Mm. on the surface of the earth who breathed into existence every star who is sovereign over every crashing wave right that we we have something so much better and we've got to be aware of the allure of these things and we have to realize it's inevitable and people will be drawn into it. Uh, but we cannot make that same mistake ourselves, uh, really in a world where, because of many factors, including technology addiction, you see every nation, okay, this is a missions podcast, right? Every nation, you see declining birth rates. You see birth rates that are that are no longer hitting replacement levels in a population. Um, the Christian worldview, the earthiness of the Christian worldview has an answer here, that marriage is godly, that that producing children is glorious that god can be known in part through his natural revelation that actually he he not only has a spoken word but a spoken world right these are christian insights uh-huh. these are not insights that people proposing that we live in a metaverse and that our entire life be dominated by artificial intelligence and just artifice in general they don't they don't have that we have something right. that they don't we can't we can't trade that. At, at the same time, I think we need to be nimble and adept and, and be aware of when we when we can employ these things and do that wisely. I think we can do it to be more efficient in ministry. I think we can do it to be more efficient administratively um, in our costs uh, in, in some areas. I, I think that there's a number of potential applications. Um, and as we're dealing with young people, I think the worst thing that we can do is dismiss it outright. Um, I, th- I think that that's not doing justice to really how, how God is at work um, in in human development and in in the course of, of history.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think going along with that is teaching young people about the dangers and the positives of this these technologies. Um, those who have gifts in technology, encourage them to develop them and to use them in a good way. But that also then means that we've got to do a good job on the front end of discipling them and not just discipling people like, you know, here's a little eight week booklet we're going to go through, but helping them think biblically, um, thinking through philosophy from a biblical perspective, um, really develop a robust life of the mind and heart um, so that when they're coming to these questions or thinking about them deeply, I think it's it's so that the questions that are out there are huge. And yet, and yet the word of God has the answers to these questions. There's also, you know, 2000 years of Christian thinking that that can guide us as we go down these paths. But so much of evangelical Christianity today has been so watered down and so light and so focused on just really temporal kind of questions that our young people and our middle-aged people are just not very equipped to deal with with the complexity of what's coming at them, so so I, I think that goes along with it. I, to, to to train our young people in how to think well. I mean, I think we need an our we need another RC Sproul, you know, to to teach us again like how to incorporate good thinking into our theology. I, I I'm sitting here in the Silicon Valley. And. Seeing the pressure that's on the church, and what, what what's happening here is what every church in America is probably eventually going to have to face, you know. And that is the the questions are coming at us hot and fast, you know, about sexuality, about different different religions, and the the nature of truth and and righteousness and goodness. And yet, in the middle of like, and we're seeing here society kind of breaking down in some ways, like some pretty obvious ways. Not quite as bad as maybe you see on the news, but there are some definitely breaking points, but yet I'm also seeing some cool things happening. I, you know, you mentioned people coming to Christ. Um, I've seen two young men come to Christ, one from a Hindu background and one from a very nominal Roman Catholic background because of videos they started watching on, on, on YouTube or TikTok. And, um, I I was, I I just was on the campus. We have a college campus right across the street from our church. Do you want to come and join us in the ministry? We need young people to come and help us here. But, um, but we walked across the street. Yo, Scott, always mobilizing. That's right. Um, we need help, and uh, don't don't flee to places with lots of churches. Come to places like here that need the gospel. And uh, you know, we just we walked up to students and said, um, "Hey, uh, we're here to talk about spiritual things. Are you interested in talking?" And I was so scared having <laughs> these conversations. But we were shocked how many students are like, I mean, I don't know why I was shocked, but like, yeah, I would love to talk about that. And we sat and talked for about half an hour, you know, with uh, two different young men last week um, that just had lots of questions about reincarnation and the Bible and Christianity and community and just, you know, just, you know, seeing the brokenness of our society and wondering if there's answers and and neither of those young men came to Christ that day but I be- believe it was the beginning of a conversation and so I'm also encouraged that in this breakdown we're seeing people are realizing that it's broken and needing answers and we should be the ones standing up and saying here's the way to do here's 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 how to find the answers and technology could be one of those ways because that is where those people are you know so many young people are living on their phones on their 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 game uh, their gaming consoles their on their Boys. computers. They're on I their almost Game said, Boys all day. I night. almost said Game Boys. I almost did.
0: <laughs> good, good thing I didn't draw attention to it for all of our listeners.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you Thank you for sparing
0: me that. We're smooth. That's all we do here is we're just super slick. Yeah, and we produced. never embarrass each other. That's a great. No, maybe AI could edit this podcast. Well, how do we uh, know it's not yeah. being edited by AI? I guess we don't. Uh, actually, Scott isn't even here. He's just an AI avatar. Um, And since he's not real and is just a construct, I'll give myself the last word, um, which is is just that let's also get practical for believers, for believers who are thinking like, that's great, big picture type stuff. I am teaching theology. Uh, I listen to the missions podcast. I'm based in this other country where there aren't as many theological voices. And so we're training pastors or we have young Bible college students well, just, just know that you will have students using these tools. You need to get in front of that. You need to have policy, uh, not to completely eliminate it, but to allow it to be used ethically. So can it be a research aid that gets fact-checked? Can it be a proofreading aid, but not developing original content? Uh, not replacing the research process, the writing process. We're not plagiarizing anything, but... Uh, attempting to exclude it completely from your students' lives, uh, just taking that one instance there. Well, you're going to have something like the Barbra Streisand effect, right? You're you're going to have uh, people are more interested in it now because you said that they're not allowed to touch it. With that, we need to think about the Christian ethical implications of this. We need good Christian theology, uh, not just in the U.S., but across all the nations good theology on what are the ethical and the immoral uses of these types of technologies. We need a theology of beauty. I'm going to channel a friend of mine who's here in the office here. We need a theology of beauty. We need to look at passages like how the Spirit is at work through someone like Bezalel in the Old Testament and designing the beauty, the the craftsmanship, the intricacies of the tabernacle and think, okay, human craftsmanship is something that the Spirit of God is even involved in. Not just evangelism, but also in in human cultural products of beauty uh, that are used towards godly purposes. And so, what does that mean? And and maybe we value those creative endeavors that humans undertake. Maybe we value that more now since the market is flooded with so many cheap alternatives. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, the market's inflated, but because of that, we want the real thing even more. And as we're making disciples of the nations and going about that, we offer something that Sam Altman and Mark Zuckerberg, none of these people can offer what it truly means to be human. Uh, And yet we follow the one who knows what it is to be truly human because he became truly human. And that's the message that we spread with the word, uh, with the world. And Scott, uh, I did say that I'd give myself the last word, but you're not just a construct. You're a flesh and blood person. So I'll
1: let you get the last word actually, and then I'll take us out. Well, I, I don't know how I can improve on that. I appreciate everything you said, and I, I'm thankful for guys like you who are techies, and and many others that I know, even in our churches here, um, out here in the Bay Area. There's so many guys that work for Facebook and, and ladies that work for Facebook and, and and Google, and and they're they're thinking deeply about how to you know how to, how to use technology for the glory of God. And let's just pray that that number increases. Maybe, maybe that's an area that someone's listening is like, I could never be a missionary um, because they're thinking about preaching and teaching, but maybe they've got gifts and technology. You know, I, I know we could use a few people like that, you know, mm-hmm. not just at ABWE, but uh, probably any mission agency that's listening would say, mm-hmm. you know, what if we had a few more people that were like gifted programmers and gifted in technology and would love to develop that. Like, Give your life to serve Jesus using the gifts that God's given you. And uh, would love to see how that gets how that continues to get fleshed out in the days ahead. Amen. Couldn't agree more.
0: And we do want to hear from you, whether you're a coder or a technologist or not. If you're just someone who's tinkering around, or maybe you've just barely figured out this thing called email that Scott opened the show and talking about, we'd still love to get a note from you. You can email Scott at missionspodcast.com or Alex at missionspodcast.com to get in touch with us. The Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To get more content, go to missionspodcast.com. You can hit the support tab up at the top there too. That helps us be able to do more and send this content further if it's a blessing to you. And also you can learn more about ABWE at abwe.org. Until next week, go make disciples of all nations, and we'll see you then.